0: Welcome, 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 thricely welcome. Hello, good day, good day. Welcome to the podcast. Our podcast, the podcast, uh, the chorus podcast.
1: <laughs> welcome to the podcast, our chorus. Yes, it's called the chorus. It's a podcast. I'm Bruce dennell I'm Stephen Voss, and we're going to talk about things Thank that you'd like joining the chorus, in the arts sphere. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so hopefully you've, you've been listening to a few of our. Previous episodes, and uh, yes, it's of it, course is available all over the place wherever podcasts are, and sort of more or less every Friday, where we uh, as much as we can. Um, yeah. Yes, our lives are fraught with laziness and procrastination, so
0: sometimes there'll be a week yeah. where we don't do one, but that, we try to do it every week. Um, Arts and culture and theater and TVs and movies and books and all the good things. Random
1: comments about things and whiskey. Cheers, And sir. whiskey, cheers. Yes. And let's Excellent. not
0: forget, actually, we should drink after cheersing. Correct. Uh, why? What, hmm. what happens? Um, uh, leprechaun dies. I don't know. What is this? Uh, ah. um, but also our um, inane ramblings, which I think are possibly the most interesting <laughs> part actually, of, absolutely. of the podcast. That's cards. why I tune in i think itunes that sounds good do yeah um so find us wherever you get your podcast spread the word we do appreciate that we'd like to increase our listener base i think Correct. we're rapidly approaching maybe 13 or 14 listeners yeah. so i mean <laughs> that would be great Ra- might be. rate us it uh, might be
1: one guy listening 13 times in, in which case sir thank you and again cheers to you <laughs> cheers <Yes>. to you oh my god Oh, good times. Um,
0: yeah. So apparently, leaving comments and and subscribing and uh, all those good things will help us. So it will help you, us
1: algorithmically. Yeah. If you enjoy, spread the word. Thank you so much. Right. So yes, what do we what do we normally do. Um, we we just frankly we've just spent the the week being enthusiastic about watching things and reading things and listening to things and then we just talk about that so um, what sort of uh, what sort
0: of uh, school person were
1: you bruce were you a nerd were you arty were you sporting? i was quiet quiet i was i was reasonably sporty i was sort of second team or b team or whatever was available um throughout which was great because it meant you had a good uh, a good level of enjoyment and whatever and you mm, never had to be pressure. You know, but you never had to be up at 4am for anything um or yeah, yeah. super super pressure so so that was great and then i was very small at school physically okay i was tiny so until about whatever it is now grade 10. and then i, I do to know, vaguely grades, normal pretor- proportions 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 um so yeah i just sort of kept myself to myself so that i didn't get thrown in, in into things and your interest in in musics and arts and cultures? musics and arts um I think, yeah. I mean, I, I always, you know, listen to a lot of music growing up. My dad is is very old school, so sort of orchestral stuff and, and uh very old school kind of pop sort of mm. things. BZN in and the like. Oh goodness! Uh, indeed. Um, so it didn't get much, <laughs> much <laughs> forward looking stuff there. And then okay. yeah, my mom was was like a loved the sixties so. Uh, Beatles and oh there you go Herman's Hermits and all sorts of right, right, and right, beach right. boys and all sorts of stuff there um, but I th- Graceland was what Excellent. turned the corner for me so that was what 86 87 um, and that A woke me up to South African music even though it was Paul Simon but you know with our influences in yep. there and s- awakened in me a thought that I might want to be a musician because I'd been playing piano since I was about 7 hmm and then uh 86 87 no so i hadn't started playing guitar yet but i would shortly start playing guitar so yes there's with the days and yourself i uh was
0: introverted but could mm, be extroverted as well i guess i was quite capable and and um, spread my interests so i played like first team hockey since, like, uh, grade 10. Um, And so I was sporty, did volleyball and things like that, Um, but not, like, the best sport Mm -hmm. guy. And then I was always interested in uh, the peripherals, like the the alternative comics and these things, but I never really completely got into that subculture. So I was a nerd in that I, I achieved academically and I was always reading Um, So books have always been Mm, there. Myself as well. Um, Then I discovered listening to music probably as an early teenager and just lost myself in listening to music and collecting cassette tapes Mm -hmm. of all my favourites. Started playing guitar as a teenager as well. Yeah, I guess I I, um, was interested in everything but didn't really... Dive headlong in it into any particular
1: um, cultural subcultural group. Well, it's interesting because you, you, you've mentioned subculture a couple of times. And I think yeah. that's an interesting corner for people to go now, because the world is so aggressive in many ways. It's Social media and all the all the the extra, extra connectedness. No? At, you know, if we were at school and we were being bullied or whatever, we could yeah. go home and not get bullied. Right. But now, if you're online at school and online at home, and you're getting bullied online, you never. You know, you're never, you're never escaping things. So subcultures are often where people go for safety. So it might be, you know, Star Wars or, you know, just whatever. Star Wars That's fans. And you, and you go and you group that because those people get you. I think They're in the same headspace.
0: In the information age, that has become far more of a a thing. If you just think in terms of, say, say medicine uh, or any sort of profession, uh, whereas there used to be these catch-alls, you hmm. know, the GP would be a far broader thing now uh, everything is specialization specialization yeah. and i think that's the same with subcultures you you almost have to find your little niche quite i mm. mean it's more of a thing now that you do that you i don't know that there's more as much of uh, these general widespread things there's so much out
1: there that you're spoiled for choice so you kind of are forced to choose your areas of specialty for sure i mean just like ourselves and 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 friends that we have in common and things, reading for instance, uh, very wide reading, people who will read all topics, all genres, Mm. all all the time. Um, It's not that there's actually that few of us, which is great, but I definitely know a lot of people like that, and other people I know who don't read don't know any people like that. So it is, right. you know, it is this thing where you do you do end up in these in these tribes still, tribes, which yes, is great. Good. And and as a, as an arts journalist, I'm, I'm I I I feel that quite strongly, which is lovely, and I feel very blessed to be in, in uh, there's a there's a you know a, a literature tribe, authors and such, hmm. publishers, and there's a there's a theatre tribe, actors and directors, and everybody's a music tribe. Um, yes and it's very it's these very are the cool that, that you know these are the tribes that I've know
0: always with. looked at and thought I wonder if I should get into that tribe and then I've always just not I've always just
1: <laughs> had a little toe in a edge. whole lot of different tribes yeah and now we're in the podcasting tribe mm. and our tribe is, is so far very small you see how we segued there back to tell your friends
0: yeah well grow yes. the tribe
1: the reason i think of this is uh bruce and i have recently
0: uh, begun an entity which Ooh, you yes. could call a band yes um call which, it a band yes which i'm sort of seeing as a um, a, a, sh- a vehicle to showcase songwriting mm-hmm. um and we we'll talk more about a uh, our initial song that we've written and are going to release but my hope is that our goal which is to have a collection of songs maybe a little EP say four or five or six tracks will be very very eclectic in terms of style and genre mm. in in the sense that we're applying this broad songwriting showcase in other words yeah. so I can write a song in a di- lots of different styles it's it's and get
1: and get uh, you know many muses a that's crowd it. of muses and, you know if we've read 20 books between us in the last couple of months and mm. and we've got all of those thoughts and philosophies and stuff in our head um, you know and the weather has been dank for two weeks in a row and so on and, has, so on and so on and so on you know that, that can that'll change what it would have been had all of those been different so exactly um, I think that is a good I find for instance uh, interesting that you say that now in my solo songwriting capacity a lot of my stuff in the last year or so which is obviously pandemic time has been about thematically Broadly speaking, has been about communication, right? And it's you know because communication has changed, it it's had to. Uh, we ha- we haven't seen people in person. Uh, we've had to adjust, you know. And there's the whole Zoom culture and all of that. But you know the the point is that you you communicate differently when you're not in person, and you um, and you pr- you don't see people in yeah. person as often. And again, there'll be people that you don't need to see for years, and pick up. You can pick up. But exactly you where you don't you, want to see. Exactly, me. exactly where you left off last time. Yeah, I've got right. friends like that from you know who live in the UK, yeah. the States, or whatever. And Absolutely, I might see them every five years, and it's it's as though there, there wasn't a single minute between. Or you'll get people who just you need to see them to move anything forward. So yeah, I find yeah those sort of things are, are fascinating in terms of that whole subculture thing.
0: Yes, more of that later. So um, shall we jump into I wanna, our? Yeah,
1: I want to just something we we've had a couple of times. We mentioned the, sort of the idea of being a super producer, and then if you could, if if you had the oh. if you had the oomph, yes, to call to just pick up the phone and phone two artists because you thought it would be an this interesting could be collaboration. A collab, yeah. Um, and I was just listening to you some stuff this week, and I thought Fiona Apple and Suzanne Vega. Interesting. Now, I think I think that's quite a cool one now my, my thinking there I mean Fiona Apple very relatively speaking very sort of alternative can do you know, might, might wander down all sorts of roads mm. great pianist uh, Suzanne Vega mostly guitar based writing also her guitarist whose name I forget now but is just a wonderful interesting player um, yeah comes with a lot of interesting sounds and just I think the combination there both also very strong women very interesting perspectives mm. in, in terms of their songwriting so yes, ladies, if you're listening, do consider <laughs> co-writing a song, uh, and I'll produce it for you. So, if I you're listening, yeah. number twelve and number thirteen, absolutely. Of our but you know what? If you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> exactly. So uh, if you Apple Suzanne Vega, consider it, uh, you know Bruce working producing. together. Yes, absolutely, and I'll produce. Okay. Uh, I'll make some calls. So that's <laughs> that's that's out there now. Interesting. <laughs> Yes. Um, I, uh, speaking of music, maybe we should just talk a bit
0: about what we been listening to. Um, I'm listening to the new Ryan Adams tra- um, album, <coughs> Wednesdays, yes. which is... Um,
1: I've heard parts of it, yeah. Yeah,
0: quite a, a low-key uh, release, isn't it? I wouldn't call it a rocking album by any stretch mm. of imagination. Uh, and there are some achingly beautiful... Uh, songs as he does his want. He's making the beautiful yeah. so well. Goodness me. Um, the, the, the title or the, the first track on the album has this sort of uh, repeating thing at the end of it where he just goes, I, I'm sorry and I love you, I'm sorry and I love you. And it makes me sort of think it would be the kind of thing he might have written thinking of his ex Mandy more. Um, But
1: also, think about, I mean, he's been through that... So uh, this is what's interesting to me. So we
0: haven't heard from him for a while because he was one of the ones that fell under the Me Too too movement, was accused of harassing underage fans or whatever it was. And I'm not sure... Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. um, I don't think there was anything that went legal, not that we know. I don't know. I I honestly haven't researched it. But uh, he, I think he was dropped by his label. I'm not sure. There was a, a big fallout. He he immediately sort of fell off yes, the radar. Yeah, he's and and was, didn't uh, re- was yeah he didn't release anything,
1: and was under a bit of a cloud. Correct. Um, so that, that that's where I was hearing those yeah. those kind of lyrics coming from that and going. So now I'm wondering he's
0: that? he's he's released again and. I haven't certain, certainly haven't seen any, any huge backlash mm. of protests against it or has it just been a case of... Or any great, but
1: on the, on the flip side, or any great promotion of it. Okay, yeah. But I'm wondering now, you know, for people,
0: let's take um, Kevin Spacey for instance, another one that was accused mm. of harassing someone um, who immediately disappeared completely. Yeah. and and we haven't heard from again and I don't know that we will hear from again and I'm not I'm, I'm wondering is there um, just an amount of time that has to go past and then people sort of forget I and it's, it's move a, on? yeah I or think it's, a, it's, it's, it's a number
1: of different things I mean I don't know I don't remember all the details but I don't know that, that Ryan was ever accused of something as as severe and I want to choose right, my words try, carefully try, try, try. here as severe as Kevin was in that example um and as you say, nothing went to as far as we're aware to sort of high level court or anything. Yeah, um, like charges or it does. I don't know. I, I have. I must say, I have felt uncomfortable listening to that music because I love Ryan I think he's just a phenomenal songwriter, performer, mm. um, and a complex guy. And this is not ex- again. Everything we say here is is the disclaimer is that we're not condoning any dodgy no. behaviour in anybody. Um, but you know, it, it did raise the question again. You know, where do you where do you appreciate the art without the artist?
0: Yeah, Fran Lieberwitz actually talks about yes. this in that um, Pretend It's Pretend a City. It's city yeah. She speaks about some particular, I think it's a writer, who, who then it turns out had these allegations or turned mm. out to be a, well, I don't know what he was. And she, she makes no bones about um, appreciating the art. Yeah, saying, yeah, well, she you can separate the art from the artist, like Michael Jackson, mm. whether you believe or don't believe what happened to him and, and the clown that he was under you know can you still
1: acknowledge his well, I brilliance i think it's interesting it goes back to our chat a couple of minutes ago about communicating and uh and subcultures and things is you know in this case i mean what we what are you saying now the the lyrics you mentioned i love uh, you hey, i miss I'm, you i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah you know that kind of stuff again if if you it, where, wherever you are, if you come in with all of the information about Ryan Adams and scandals and this and that, and the next thing, and you hear those words and they resonate because of your situation today, then they resonate. If you come into the room and you have no idea who's singing whatever, and you hear the words mm. and the sad, whatever minor key and this and that and the next thing, and it resonates, then it resonates. So yeah, you know, it does definitely. Yeah, you know, then in that case, relative to our earlier discussion, the the subculture is whatever sad people, lamenting people. Yeah. Uh, worried Re- people, regret, whatever uh, it is, you regret, etc. Trying et to make amends, and so yeah, you can't. You I can't. Think... You can't remove the effectiveness of what the flawed artist does. I suppose.
0: Yes, absolutely, and and like we said last uh, podcast, there, but by the grace of God, you know, it's it's a uh, an uncomfortable and difficult thing to find yourself in a place of judgment, mm. um, because like we've said that obviously there is no condoning or excusing but if there's any hope of changing these behaviors you have to dive into understanding them Mm. and engaging engaging with the people involved and for me the 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 sort of interesting thing or the win about all of this is simply that this conversation that we're having right now is happening i think that's yeah. a good thing in this age of Black Lives Matter and Me Too and redressing the past and giving the voice to the voiceless um, you know injustices and yeah. all these things it's it's quite a heavy uncomfortable thing but such an important thing and it's difficult to navigate these things when you're in it and you, you don't have the perspective um, you know when something's happening right now sure. and, and you, you're forced to navigate something without the benefit of, of perspective um i think at least the conversations are happening and i think that's
1: good and i think it's it's such a it it comes down to accountability for me so we obviously clearly we don't know ryan adams Mm. at all Uh, we we may never meet him we may who knows um but the point is again this conversation as you say this conversation is happening it will be available to everyone yeah you know uh, however many people listen to it and so on and so on and the it it puts Ryan in a position of accountability mm. because we're going essentially we're saying you know we we have given you this other if if you're going to take it as a black and white thing we we've taken we've given you another chance in this instance uh, your part of the of the equation is to stay on the wagon as mm. it were mm. um, you know so so please do please keep making beautiful music but please do it without reason. For us to pull away from listening to it because yeah. because we have issues and it's uh, you know yes it's uh, it's <laughs> it's so impossibly difficult being an artist uh, in in mm. you know, normal sort of financial commercial terms um, but and you know making it making a living all of that kind of stuff but it doesn't excuse you and again suffering for your art and all of that is good but uh, it doesn't excuse you from being a, a decent human being absolutely yeah yeah.
0: Um, what have you been listening to? I've got something else that i am listening to, but it's tied in uh, very much
1: to what I've been reading. So I think maybe I'll I'll end with mine, and okay, we cool, can cool. segue into what All we've right. been reading. i I've got a couple of things. So one one is a, a podcast called The Art of the Song. Um, now this is a, it's run by a, a husband and wife team called John Dylan and, and Viv Nesbit, mm-hmm. um, and they ran a. And they've st- decided to have separate surnames, and that's just. <laughs> And that's how fun. they've decided and they used to run a site called uh standing standing O, as for standing ovation um and it was a, just this again they put in a lot of work and just publicized unsigned artists and whatever gave me some help along the way years nice. ago and lovely people i haven't met we've chatted on the phone once for an interview and so on um but but yeah just these people they they folk Singer-songwriters, they've got a, a musical. they musical that they tour. Oh, right. That they've they've written. Um, that Vivian acts out and sings, and John I think plays guitar and narrates. Hmm. Um, so they can do it anywhere, in your coffee shop or, or in your Where house or from? whatever. Yeah,
0: international. Yes, vet, they're, they're the US, in. and I'm just okay. trying, but
1: I'm just trying to remember exactly when, I can't right now. Um, but but good folks, and this this art of the song podcast again, well connected. They're they're they've been around for many years, um, and they know pretty much everyone um, so you get some really interesting uh, guests on this podcast so th- this week uh, I think next week is, is Donald Fagan for instance hmm. yeah so you know they, they've got a nice little black book wow um, so this week chatting to a guy called Bruce Molsky who I didn't uh, know about uh, M-O-L-S-K-Y okay so he's a <laughs> he in the 70s dropped out of Vasty out of college and went to live in a log cabin in Virginia because he wanted to properly immerse himself is in he, Appalachian mountain uh, music. Is he the o hipster? Uh, yes. The proto hipster. Exactly. Ding 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 ding. Bonnie anyway, uh, take notes. Yeah. So so I mean he went yeah, just went to live in, in a log cabin by himself with the goal of of experiencing the folk music there, the hmm. traditional music in the Appalachians properly. Yes. Um Yeah, taught himself all these wonderful things. So he's this this amazing fiddle player, banjo player, and guitarist. Flat picking. Hmm. There's a song called, I think you'd love it a lot, Knoxville Blues. Nice. It's just this flat picking uh, instrumental thing. Um, Just beautiful. Um, So, yeah, has done that and built himself this, again, one of these reputations. We go back into subcultures or people sort of, I mean, that is retreating. I don't think you can say, you know, going to a log cabin in the mountains is... Putting yourself Hermetic. in the crowd. No. Um, so, you know, he's done that, but he's built up this amazing credibility and reputation because of it. As has worked with, among many, many others, um, Linda Rodstadt. Linda Rodstadt. Mm-hmm. Linda Ronstadt. There we go. Rod, Ron Rodstadt. Bill Linda Frazzel, Rod Stewart Stat. Yeah, exactly. Bill Frizzell, Mark oh, Knopfler, Jerry nice. Douglas. Whoa. Uh, picked up a couple of Grammy nominations along the way. um and just this yeah he's got a, a wide range of 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 stuff of styles and and uh, influences and all sorts of things so excellent that, that lovely amazing which i can never do i don't think that's sort of bluegrass mm. fast picking but not necessarily only in bluegrass but using those techniques uh, beautiful Sounds tone like someone that t-bone burnett would call in correct for a, indeed a, a soundtrack um again in terms of the folk influences there's uh, you know the, the cyclical structures of mm. you know verse and, and then a story and back and forth and back and forth long songs um, and again themes are, are, are often very folky. so sort of there's you know telling folky themes, telling stories of kind of of rural in this case of okay. like rural characters uh, there's a song about a carpenter and um, all of that kind of thing um, and there's a lovely uh, as they're interviewing him he's I remember the one quote that jumped out at me. He speaks of music, and this ties in, which was, wasn't planned, which is lovely. He speaks of music providing, in his words, the possibility of community. Hmm. And I love that because that's that's what we were talking about earlier. It's just that you can come together un- un- unknowingly sometimes because something resonates, hmm. and it can be it can be music, it can be books, it can be whatever, this, some sort of culture.
0: This sort of folk. Uh, thing and community seems to be very, very strong. It makes me think of things like Saddle Creek, mm-hmm. which gave rise to Bright Eyes. Yeah, But it was a whole community of musicians that started working together. So they, they had their own sort of musical entities and then would just come together and collaborate almost consistently. And, and it was a sort of a grassroots movement, yep. Saddle Creek Records and everything. And also, I think of the, um, the Mumford and Sons and the. Um, Whole singing medicine show, old medicine show, and yeah. did, they did that whole sort of train trip where they they recreated Bob Dylan's uh, okay. Rolling Thunder yeah. Circus thing. Um, so there seems to be within that, you know, if you think of country music and the the subculture of down home Southern values and and hospitality and. And then you think of the folk guys in terms of community. But there is a the big thing there. I
1: mean, and again, Bruce uh, Molsky t- talks about in the thing, he, he, he grew up in the Bronx. He learned music in the Bronx. Wow. So, this, you know, fiddle picking and or, that, fiddle wasn't, picking. That, that wasn't. That wasn't part of the scene there. Well, you would think. And I said, but, you know, I mean, and he goes, no, but remember, this was the end of the 60s. New York City was essentially the center of the folk revival. Everyone yeah. had picked up a banjo and... And it, again, a lot of people, it was also interesting because he had a lot of people, he said a lot of people coming from the south and and from other countries, from Brazil and elsewhere, would come up to go to Newport and wherever for the festivals, but they would come via New York. Hmm. So you would get, maybe as a one-off, because they were on the way through, but you would get some amazing out-of-towner, um, just blowing everybody's minds for one night and then going to the festival mm. and, and you never saw them again. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's that, that sort of thing also. Of you're going, in this particular case, the guy has, mm. has gone to immerse himself in traditional rural mountain music mm. um, and you go, okay, well, that, ha- we, you know, pity, pity nothing like that ever happens in big cities. Hang on. So, you know, yeah. again, another reminder, sort of look around you, see what's happening, see what your, your movements are in, in, in Joburg or wherever you are. Um, so that was the one thing and then the other thing I'm re- really enjoying um, this week I don't know if you remember Dokken yes from, from the 80s I do remember glam them. metal hey, hair metal, metal yeah, yeah. very funny and uh, in in retrospect I mean very cool who great, was the guitar wasn't Kip Winger in Dokken George Lynch oh, George Lynch of course yes. he's still um, still playing he's a yeah, monster he's, and he is exactly and that's what's so cool so it's George Lynch Jeff Pilsen, um, both from Dokken um, and they've got they're now doing c- covers. They've done an album of covers called Heavy Hitters, Okay. which is so cool. It is <laughs> so great. My brother, I think, would love that. Because um, again, you know, it, 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 obviously, you, you get into it and you think this is just—it's a novelty item. Uh, a friend of mine sent uh, sent me because I'm a huge REM fan. He sent me—they've done a version of "It's the End of the World as We Know It," okay. um, and it's great. It's just great. It's just a rock version, big okay. stomping rock version. But then you go, then you go, oh, let me go follow this up. And it's they've got some really, really great uh, choices there. And they've done interesting things with them. They've done one of us, the Joan Osborne, mm. but they've changed a lot of them. They just do kind of, in terms of chord structure and stuff, they do it quite a straight cover, but with a, a dock and feel here, they, here they've changed. Uh, the melody and so it's very interesting. Hmm. They do a magic version of music by Madonna. Ah. Really, really great. What and a great version of like a proper stomping. It's actually it's a really cool version of of Kiss Prince the Prince. Ah, very cool. Um, <coughs> so again, and everything on there is good. Um, so that is a really, really cool uh, nice d- discovery because again, it's not one of those things that you. Um, that you're you sort of going to go out and, and find. Hmm. Um, I'm just trying to see, because there, there's a thing on the Oh, no, they, do, they are doing it under their name. So name. Okay. yeah, Dock uh, and Heavy Hitters. No, George, George oh, Lynch George, and Jeff Pilsen. Is Jeff the drummer, heavy is he or is he the bass player? Or uh, is he the singer? I think, wasn't he the bassist? I'm not I sure, know. I can't remember, but yeah. Um, nice.
0: George upon the guitar. Um, I, the other day, stumbled into listening to a band that I think you'd probably appreciate, Toad the Wet Sprocket.
1: One of my big influences. I've interviewed Ken, yeah. the singer. So what listened, a lovely man! Yeah, I just, listened the to the the
0: album "Fear," which had that you oh, "Spot of the Ocean." So good. And then uh, the follow up uh, "Dulcinea." Or have you yes. pronounce that? Which also and genius. I, I just uh, two things. One, they were a little bit more rocking than I remembered because they I, I sort of remember them as this coffee bar, um, acoustic yep. band. But very very cool. But then also. What struck me about Toad the Wet Sprocket is how out of time they were, when they released that stuff. Because mm. it was hair metal
1: and yes. weird stuff going on. Well, and they yeah. were
0: the precursors to the whole coffee shop.
1: I'm acoustic. not sure. I agree with you on the timing. I think it not the hair metal. Oh, actually, maybe yeah. Maybe I'm getting confused the, tale, the hair it, metal well, type. It was tyrant, Guns and Roses. But then the yeah. The, then the new metal came in. Yes. And and ended the. This this stuff. Well, the, grunge the kind of, grunge yeah. rang the death knell for for hair metal in that age.
0: But Toad, there were so so many bands mm. that sounded like that ten years after they did Yes it. yes yes. Like it, it was a real. Ho- it, it sort of was a companion piece to grunge. So grunge was like anyone can pick up a if guitar, you're angry. step on a distortion mm. pedal, and and. But at the same time, there were a lot of people then picking up. Gu- so song songwriting kind of singer songwriter guitar. Was a, was a hand in hand with grunge so there was the, the grunge, loud, angry and then there was the Seattle which was Seattle and mm. then there was the Seattle coffee shop scene mm. which was poetry, uh, open mic nights the Portland guys and, yeah, the Portland guys and it was all these acoustic mm. not l- like folk based but but more like a pop thing but just acoustic guitars and beautiful melodies and not being afraid to just strum some open chords yeah after, you know, a lot of overproduced 80s stuff. (laughs) So, really, really great. But let's talk about the other main thing that I'm listening to, which ties into the book that I uh, finished reading, which is uh, Jimmy Page, The Definitive Biography by Chris Salawich, which which got me listening to to Led Zeppelin. And I mentioned last week... um, Then I'll talk about the book, and then I've been listening to a bit of Zeppelin. So um, what I thought I'd I'd then do is listen to a bit more of the peripheral stuff around Zeppelin and what happened after they broke up. So it was a massive thing when Led Zeppelin broke up um, because John Bonham died. Mm. He suffocated on his own vomit from um, too much alcohol. Um, And the band just said, listen, we're not carrying on. And that had a lot to do with the way... They had been touring for however many years and uh, played with um, timing and arrangements and knew each other really well and would speed up and slow down a lot in their sets. And to get another drummer to learn all that stuff was impossible and John Bonham was such a a uh, characteristic sound Mm. that they stopped. Uh, Then there was all sorts of hooing and hawing and they were all very... um, Damaged people at that time in terms of drugs and uh, heroin specifically. But not too long after they broke up, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant started playing together mm. and released two albums, No Quarter. Oh, they did an MTV Unplugged. I think that was the catalyst. and then they did this album ar- after that called No Quarter and then a follow-up called Walking Into Clarksdale. And I've listened to both of them and they're actually fantastic albums. Um, I think they toured those and, and I think actually... Made more money than they did uh, w- with Led Zeppelin just on those tours, which may have had something to do with uh, that they were no longer being managed by Peter Grant and didn't fly around in their own well seven four seven yeah, um, which was interesting. And then after that, um, Jimmy Page had had sat in with uh, the Black Crows on a Black Crows date, and he'd played like, two or three songs. It's not going to help your drug issues, though. No, anyway. Um, and then uh, sort of enjoyed it and a couple of other things and eventually led up to this release of an album called Live at the Greek mm. which is the Black Crows with Jimmy Page but it is primarily Led Zeppelin songs. Okay, so there's Led Zeppelin songs and there's a couple of standards like a BB King song and a you know one or two other songs, old blues songs and rock and roll I songs. I thought of Chris oh. singing those, Chris Robinson. And that, that makes sense, though. Yeah, and so apparently there were a few of the Black Crow songs as well. And then from contractual reasons, they could not release the Black Crow stuff on the album. Okay. On their own so, album. Yeah. So it's live at the Greek Jimmy Page with with the Black Crows, but it's essentially. The Black Crow is doing... Playing Led Zeppelin. Yeah, like a Led Zeppelin cover show, which is a little bit weird. I mean, Jimmy Page is obviously there playing as well. Um, Chris Robinson, apparently they had to um, take the songs down Mm. probably three semitones, I'd imagine. At least a, a full key down uh which i know when led Zeppelin did their reunion in 2009 seven nine i think eight something around there yeah. um they also had to to tune i played girly along boys. with it the other day while i was watching the dvd well no i'm, I'm kidding he's no right. longer yes. a girly boy like he used to be able yeah. to hit those girly notes he can't sing that high anymore and certainly chris robinson had never been able to sing that high but um i found it strange as a problem it's a great album it's rocking it's not too long after Led Zeppelin, and it's essentially a Led Zeppelin cover album with the guitarist from Led Zeppelin. Mm. And I don't know how I feel about it, but it's interesting. About <laughs> well, it's
1: one of those things again. Back to the subculture thing. It's, it Led Zeppelin is definitely one of those bands where you can, it, there can be a silo. You, you know, you can be like devoted to all things Led Zeppelin. Nobody else can do this, and yeah. nobody else can sing it properly. And it, it strikes me that you know maybe it's one of those things where are um, you know, all the black crows allowed in in that fan mm. mindset you know to do to try and do justice to them or or should it be some other band which is better at you know because again that that carries on and on and on I mean a bunch of people train have done a, a Led Zepp uh, album covers okay. album um, and Pat Monahan can sing those yeah. that's a great great singer. But people go, oh, but it's train and it's relatively soft, st- you know, it's relatively soft band and this mm. is hard rock and how do you do it? And, you know, so I think people get uptight about, you know, as opposed to musicality, can the guy play the riffs beautifully? Yeah. Good, then do it. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. They're going, you know, is he a, a Jimmy Page enough character? To, to oh, do No it. one is a Jimmy Page justice. enough. Jimmy okay. Page is an interesting cat. Wow. I'll talk
0: about more about him now. What's interesting to me is that is the fact that the Black Crow stuff is left off. Yes. I, if it, it would be different if it was a, a coming together of Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin and the Black Crow. So you've got Zeppelin yeah. songs and Black Crow songs, and, which I think would have been more successful and more, more palatable. Um, my problem with it just being essentially Led Zeppelin stuff and a couple of little covers is that it's... It's a bit... I felt it was a bit soon after the end of Led Zeppelin for him essentially to say, find another band and play Led Zeppelin stuff. I think it's successful because a lot of people were
1: so sad yeah, at the end of Led Zeppelin, Zeppelin yeah. that think, I'll never be able to hear Led Zeppelin Do you Zeppelin know what again. the copyright issue was, though? Because I know... It, it was
0: released on a... Um, I don't know. The the label... Uh, they, The Black Crow songs weren't licensed to the whatever. Just because
1: Jimmy, particularly, you know, well Led Zeppelin, but as an entity, but that is essentially run by Jimmy. Yeah, um, is incredibly tough on on copyright infringement and stuff. They they block and block and block and whatever YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just I'm wondering if it came down to Jimmy going, "I'll do this if and these other conditions." I'm not sure, which strikes me as a, a distinct possibility. But yeah. So, I read the the book, the definitive uh,
0: biography, and it is brilliant. It's really, really good, sort of head and shoulders above the Jimi Hendrix one we spoke about last Mm. time. Um, Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin, fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. Um, I recommend it. Um, Sure. Like a lot of information, a very, very fascinating band, a band that... As a guitar player, I'm obviously super interested in. Um, the records are incredible. They were uh, sort of routinely dismissed by the the rock critics of the time, mm-hmm. um, who who didn't quite get it. I know famously George Harrison and uh, I think it was even Mick Jagger. I think maybe it was another Beatle. Just said, listen. I don't get this when they were played the first time. No, but look I mean to be fair,
1: lyrically speaking, and, and again we've mentioned folk, they were very, very folky in, in the you know, the guitar side, the drum side, massive, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the the world is falling down stuff. But the lyrical side was often bizarre kind of Lord of the Rings yeah, yeah. bonkersness. Uh, you know, stand and and uh, you know, so I can I can see even complete hippies going, What, yeah. what are um, you talking about? Robert Plant certainly was well, yeah.
0: Uh, what I found interesting about them. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I perhaps didn't know quite so much about is the they became very, very quickly an an incredibly huge uh, business, mm. which was uh, run by Peter Grant, who assumed the character of um, like a, a gangster. That yeah, no, his, terrifying yeah, guy. Yeah. And um, and everyone who had anything to do with the band acknowledges that, that it was a very, what, what we could say, a very heavy scene. It was a very serious mm, mm. scene, um, which was then compounded um, by the drugs that very quickly became out of control to the point where it was
1: heroin. And then the pressure of keeping a, a level once yeah, you're successful and so on and so on
0: and it you know that ultimately was would would have driven the band to stop if, if jo, even if John Bonham hadn't died John mm. Bonham was more about alcohol Jimmy Page and Robert Plant were certainly both on smack on, on heroin John Paul Jones seemed to have uh, sidestepped that whole side yeah, of seems things seems to
1: be a very sensible chap.
0: but um Towards the end of of their juggernauted world touringness, you know, they would have bodyguards that would literally help them walk from the side of the stage to their place where they would stand to play because they were falling over. I mean, just completely. Oh, I hadn't realized they were quite so. Jimmy Page, just this frail, frail junkie for
1: much of of the last part of the band. Well, I um, do find just to interject there quickly. Yeah. I find fascinating, you know, knowing a lot and reading a lot and whatever about these well, those guys then and guys now as well in the same sort of situation is how again sometimes you see it um and it's, it's obvious the the gig is bad the playing is bad but m- often you don't and these guys smashed out of their minds whatever it is you know still play completely world-class performances yeah, it, still manage it and I, it, it's fascinating to me i mean i'm a, i'm sure a lot of it is muscle memory practice etc etc but uh, you know slash is a good case in point The man can play, yeah, and he can play whether he's falling over or sober, Um, and it's it's just it's interesting. I'm fascinated just by the capacity of these guys who are so yeah flawed in many ways. um, I think it to pull it out. Yeah, it may be that we're in
0: South Africa and we don't see as much as I think. um, For certainly, reading this book, um, it was really an exception to the fact that they had a great show. Like they would do a tour and be horrendous for most of the tour to To slash Guns and Roses during that um, to the you know it was mostly Axel this, but they would regularly play two or three hours late. Yes, no. Um, whether they put on a good show or not, uh, but yes, I do understand and I think it, they talk about. A yeah, high, I mean, a I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking about
1: people, uh, especially because often I've had backstage access for for interviews and things, and mm-hmm. and you see the guys are not <laughs> are yeah are not I can not well. Think of but, some, but you've just watched them. Yeah, I think just beforehand, the, and you've gone. How on earth yeah. in this state? Because they couldn't have got you know in the fifteen minutes between the end of the gig and you yeah. chatting to them, they can't have got that sloshed. <laughs> I think it's that high functioning. When you hear about a high functioning alcoholic or mm-hmm. a high, fu- I think that there's that. I think, but it, it really is impressive. Yeah. It's a whole psychological
0: it's that, that frog in the in the water again. That slow build up of tolerance mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm.
1: But these guys were beyond that even, and then you really, joke. and the then end you choke on your it. environment. Yeah. So just a couple of themes there actually. So you you've done two Jimmy biographies in two two consecutive weeks. I'm interested to see which Jimmy book you're reading for next week. Okay. And then, uh, obviously, Jimmy choked on his own vomit as well, and we've had a a vomit choker this week. Yes. So I am expecting continuation of trends if you just make a note. I'm not going to choke
0: (laughs) on my own vomit. I don't (laughs) care what you say. Uh, The last thing I'll say about the book is that Jimmy Page is also a very dark character in terms of his obsession with the occult and with Aleister Crowley and... um, all things like that, which just added to the mystique, to the heaviness, um, when uh, some very sad and tragic things happened to the band, particularly to Robert Plant with a massive car accident he was in, and then the death of his son. Uh, There were a lot of, and it was a different time, but there were a lot of uh, speculations by people that this may have to do with a a sinister curse Mm following the band
1: because of their involvement in the occult but i mean to talk to speak to this now because you say at a different time the, the the kind of uh bands building legends doesn't seem to happen as much and yes different time in terms of like again elvis was at the, the forefront of a move you know a change in music as were the beatles etc cetera, etc cetera. so that there it's easy to see the beginnings of things as we as we led Zeppelin to to many in in you know a new kind of music and so on, blues yeah. hard rock. But we you don't often see you know, maybe maybe Guns N' Roses was the last big one. You don't often see legends building around bands anymore where it's so you know I think there's two parts to that. Yeah. One
0: there's the doing things that have never been done before mm. that'll establish a legend. Legend. So mm. the Beatles changed the industry by wow wah is legend mm-hmm. to a degree. That is very difficult to do in this no, day and age because it's, it's, so much has yeah. been done before. The second thing that goes to, in my mind to building a legend is the mystique mm-hmm. that evolves around. So you get the strong silent type Guitar player with his hair yes. in front of his eyes, who doesn't say much, or you get Bob Dylan, who's very obfuscating. Can't hear what, he, of he what he saying he's saying anyway. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. and then we'll make these obscure comments to send journalists yes. purposefully down. So there's a mystique that again is very difficult to do in the in the age of information except and social that, media. Except
1: that then and now it needs to be designed. Yes, I don't believe for a second that Bob Dylan is not aware of the the Absolutely. what his actions will lead to. So, and I don't believe he was in 1971 or 1983 or now. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, that that's, I, th- I suppose... So here's... Uh, you know, Eddie Vedder has it to some degree. Yes. That he's, he's an interesting person to a lot of different people because he is a lot of different people. Um, What's interesting to me is, all, is so
0: many hundreds of thousands, and it's interesting in the South African music scene because I see it a lot, <laughs> is musicians who have grown up with these heroes and they they there's rosie agreeing with me in the background and will try to uh take their stab at achieving the legendary status even though they're a tiny fish in a tiny pond and are are almost like an almost has been Mm. they're not of the the talent or the quality of these guys But they will try to attain that by by,
1: because the generating dream, well, again. The it's interesting this whole theme now that because again they're aiming for a subculture. Yeah. They want to fit into this dream that doesn't necessarily exist. Exactly, it and could it could exist for Robert Plant. I mean, Robert Plant was Robert Plant, could sing like that, did look like that. But Robert Plant became legendary, Robert Plant, because of Peter Grant, who was doing marketing in yeah. the background. But these guys now the
0: the sort of mid-level rockers will attempt to create this mystique around the most boring subculture ever. (laughs) By doing the drugs and being badass and swearing on stage and trying to create this mystique. So that for me is a little bit sad and laughable. But what's worse... (laughs) you really think, yeah. What's worse is there's a whole audience of South African people who
1: buy buy into into that and go,
0: oh they're such a cool rock and roller they're like how I imagine Robert Plant would be kind so of we, thing. again and, this, is, ah! this is the lovely
1: thing with Sorry, in, with Insight as a, as a music journalist is that you would, I would sometimes have ba- have uh, interviews with that band that you're talking yeah. about um, in the morning you know because that was for print purposes for deadline yeah. purposes we needed to have it in the morning and these guys would rock up and have Robo's tea to protect their voices <laughs> which okay. is, is I respect yeah. as, a, as a singer you know, so you're going cool well good for you but you know Am I allowed to put that in there? I, I interviewed a huge, uh, and I won't mention it, but a huge American musician once, at, just before he went and, and presented. It was a whole workshop thing, but a yeah. big event, you know, 20,000 people or whatever. And uh, I was down to meet him, but they said, oh, no, he's not here. He's, he's down there, blah, blah. Went down there. He was having a pedicure. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so I sat next to him in the chair as he had a pedicure, and he goes, please don't mention So, as I say, I won't mention his name, but um, it just... No, well, not, see, very, that, not very rock and roll. That to me speaks to the guy I mean that I can I can still respect. A <laughs> pedicure. Yeah. Rock but and roll. I, I just
0: like I I <laughs> see I see the guys who to their detriment and to the detriment of their family life. Yeah. Because they end up marrying someone or having kids or whatever. And they're still trying to chase this I'm a rock and roll superstar, yeah, yeah. badass, look at me, and whenever I get together with my friends, it's all about getting drunk yeah, and yeah, yeah. being this because so they're buying into the, this the yeah this mystique so for me that's a little bit kind of sad mm. but then unfortunately it works for them because there's this whole yes. audience in south africa who seem to lap up Anyway, well, because anyway, no, but again, know. this
1: is—it's it's interesting because we're exploring it, we're sort of revealing it to ourselves as we go. It's—it's it's again the subculture thing. So that audience will be people who can't play guitar or piano or sing or whatever, as well as the guy on stage. And who's they're never going to see Robert Plant, but they'll see this. Guy. But they—but also they don't, yeah. Even if they did see Robert Plant, they couldn't connect to him. Right, they can't relate to him. Okay, he's not—he's not—he's not, he's, he's not yeah. going to return the calls. This guy's over there. They'll see him at the bar afterwards. And sure. they can have a drink, and he is a lovely bloke, even if he's half sloshed or whatever, whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, So they go. Well, this is now my so extended family. That's more family. about where we are. It's community again. It's music, yeah. but it's but yes, to your point of uh, people feeling mm-hmm. that they need to put themselves at risk in order to earn it. I don't know. I mean, again, you know, to to our songwriting output, my songwriting output. You know, I I don't live a rock and rock rock and roll lifestyle at all. Mm. Um, which yeah will. Maybe
0: we need to investigate this further. Well, look, we do have whiskey in the morning. does it <laughs> Yeah, now? I think it's. Um,
1: you know, but it's it. The, the, the where I again you, you do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, I don't have a huge sales component yeah. to my music output, unfortunately. But I do have a, a wonderful, to me, a respect quota from other musicians, and that means a yeah. whole lot more to me. But but that's what I'm seeking, and this I guy wonder, this guy yeah. is seeking, and again, that's my subculture. We talked about tribes earlier. I've got this tribe of older, successful, mm. mega-talented musicians who go, hey, you're a great songwriter. And you're going, pardon? What? Me? Hello? Um, and I that, think that's life-changing yeah. for me. This yeah. may
0: be more about me and me just being weird and grumpy. judgmental and grumpy. Yeah. I will <laughs> say, we, we went to um, the, the right. show at Mark's Park, and there was the cover band that we watched, and it was Sito from Vonneboe yes. on the one side of um, the stage. And, what, and what's his face? Paul Paul from it was it Sugar Dry, what's yes. the other guy? Yes. And I have to say, just standing off stage, Paul what is his name, is he from Sugar yes. Dry? He seemed to have a rock star, a very understated, doesn't have to say anything or act out. Just this uh bit of a bit of a aura about him. But
1: he did. yeah, and I think you know that, that's interesting, Paul Without Flynn. doing any, oh, Paul, Paul Flynn. Flynn. Yeah, I just looked at
0: him on stage, and the way he stood, and the way he held his guitar, and the way he leaned into his first. But again, vocal, he, I has was a, like, he has hmm. a sort
1: of uh, uh, physically build-wise, he's a bit Iggy poppish um, yeah, so it got, could, he's it got could that. be that. It no, could but be he also a he's thing. been. I mean, he's been uh, a, a sort of high-profile yeah. rocker since. I just the, recognized since the early nineties. Yeah. No, but my point being, because he's in the band with Cito, Yeah. Also high-profile rocker since the 90s but also an actor and plays in other bands he's got you know he's got a a folk sort of spanish folk band and he's got all sorts of other things and i think it's back to your thing of the mystique yeah is that paul you remember from that band over there you haven't had a single in 20 years but they were lovely then and they were the guys that you treated like rock stars then and so he's retained the mystique because he hasn't done on you know in 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 the in the spotlight he hasn't done all this other stuff since so oh, it could be could be that. Cito, somebody i know a lot better lovely guy super talented guy but less mystique because i know him better so yeah it, could i think be. it ties into it, your for me finger. it seemed like sito uh, was
0: um and this is completely ridiculous for me to say but he seemed to be manufacturing a, a persona or he, his persona seemed to be from the outsider more kind of Posturing to, to get there, and he did it, and he's an incredible singer, and it was great. Whereas Paul just just kind of stood there and had it, and and that's just <laughs> I think that's more on me as as a. But again, a, it is a, interesting a, a because what you're saying, yeah. You know,
1: from if, if somebody is is striving to to connect, yeah, you know, that that part of that image thing is is, yeah. is a is a decision to make to connect with the audience, mm. which leads to successful connection yep. with the audience. Absolutely. Whereas the the stand and ignore it's not you know yeah again we're speaking very broad strokes here but being relatively indifferent to the audience <laughs> yeah that's is, <laughs> no, but that's again that's, that's what appeals to me as the guy that yeah, ignores again, Dylan, me and then i'm Dylan, like Ooh. yeah exactly Dylan built a, has built exactly. a long you know decades long career on that um so interesting it is, it is very interesting very interesting right we're right what are uh, we what are we We're nearing an
0: hour well that was what we've been uh reading do you have reading. something quickly I, to I add reading. to and then i
1: want to talk about yeah, so reading I read, uh, I read Joe Biden, American Dreamer, because oh. um, I thought I, don't I should know any American American keep up. There dreamer. we go. A guy called Evan Osnos, who's Osnos. a writer for the New Yorker magazine. Okay. thats his, that's his main gig. Um, a lot of pol- uh, political uh, stuff is, you know, his usual um, area. Yeah. So s- smallish book, very very well researched. But what I loved is it's not a, it's not this kind of just recitation of of facts and deadlines and things and you know going well in 1987 this happened in 1992 this happened and now joe is the president rah 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 it's this very kind of human and as you would expect from a guy who writes for the new yorker all the time it's this very sort of insightful and human reflection of Joe, so you get you get uh the author's personality comes through a bit. No, no, it, no it's his it's his perspective his choice of perspective. because okay. again, he's <clears throat> he's clearly a yeah, bright enough guy and a good enough writer. He could go and just dig up all the dirt and lay it out there, and it would be, still be well written, but it wouldn't be interesting. All right. So this this is going. Joe does this and Joe does that, and he made a lot of mistakes there. And he does this badly. He says so. He told me, mm. blah blah blah, while we were having breakfast at the whatever whatever, and he right. talked about his mom and you know, and it's, so it's this it's a, ser- a lot of interviews behind it um, and it's just so you get this picture of the president of the most powerful nation on earth as just a, yeah, a very very experienced politician super experienced politician um, who's made a lot of you know, he's always tried to do the right thing according to what he understood at the time Right has made a lot of mistakes in, through that approach um, has put his foot in his mouth a lot of the time um, but is you know let's go start Ryan Ryan Adams thing, you know is a flawed person, but is also trying very hard to do the right thing, and you're going well oh, that's kind of good enough I think yeah well not that the bar was particularly no, no. high in sure, terms but, of the presidential but race. you're going you, you know you're also getting it gives you a much better sense of yeah I'm comfortable with that as a politician of him but also of what is you know that the the role is kind of Uh, like you were saying now it's almost it's an ideal that doesn't really exist yeah there isn't what what the president of the united states that superhero thing you know that idealized role doesn't exist you have to do this and moan at this guy to get something done and sit in 65 hours meetings to Mm. do something else and blah 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 so i think a really good read and and not a long one joe biden american dreamer Mm. even osnos um And again, it won't, yeah, if you're a huge supporter, it won't make you go rah-rah, it'll make you go, you know, it's a flawed system. Um, And if you're not, it'll make you think, well, yeah, it's a very experienced experienced guy, yeah, (laughs) who who at least has a better sense of what's happening than the other option. Um, And then the other one was A Brief History of Everyone Who Ever Lived uh, by Adam Rutherford. now, apart from yeah, sounds it's, a bit of a yeah, exactly. optimistic title, <laughs> but also almost rips a rips a title of, of uh, Bill Bryson. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's 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 a, a genetics. It's a look at genetics oh, and how we're all interlinked. And yeah, the uh, point zero 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 difference between everyone exactly. on Earth, yeah. and how they how all of that has changed over history, and what the changes have meant for the way that we've developed, and so on and so interesting. on. Interesting. It's interest. It's it's a it's a good but not a great book. Okay. Um, I I find because he he clearly knows his stuff and he's a scientist and and you know an academic and intellectual on that side it's good the it's it's a fairly informal approach um, but he does have that thing which a lot of academics do where you you still give too much right because you or I as Technical. a as a whatever as a layman we don't need to know all of the stuff in between uh you know in between a and b mm. to uh, to understand that a and b are linked if i can put it like that okay and often he there will be reams and reams just he pages could just say pages, i'm a scientist believe me a pages and, b and pages and pages of nicely informal text but just yeah and you're going okay well i'm bored of this particular topic now. right uh, so yeah that was that was something that did come up i did get bored a little bit on those things and then the other thing is he's and a lot of scientists have this issue because and again to I think they have their subculture they're going i'm in the camp that is strongly for yeah. this this perspective yep. and two other people outside of my tribe here mm. um, I'm you know I can see that they can have a different perspective but I you know yeah. I'm going to you know just flag mine no no but I'm also I'm going to uh, genially disregard them okay so they're <laughs> There's a, put it put another way. There's a touch of smarminess every now and then. Right. It's going. I know this, and I'm so sure of this. And yeah, if you I don't think believe that's it, then part of ha academia ha ha and. Uh, but it's annoying to read. It is. Which which and again, I'm not saying that as a as a criticism of you know. Well, your your Adam Rutherford, your perspective is not as good as mine. I'm going. If you want to make a book that appeals to everybody.
0: Try harder. Mm, sure. So it's
1: an editing thing, perhaps. So that's yeah, that's the other one. Again, I yeah, if if you're if you're very into genetics, go and have a look at it. It's um, it's easy to read, but it's uh, it's not terribly well put together, in in the the ways that I've I've talked about. So Sounds a like brief my, history my of life. everyone who ever lived by
0: Adam Rutherford. Cool, nice. That's me. All right. Um, to end off, then let's quickly talk about uh, what we've been watching. I'll mention one thing, which is the a new addition to the Netflix movie roster. Yeah, called The Dig. Yes. Starring lovely, uh, lovely, lovely Carrie movie. Mulligan and Rafe not Rafe. Yes, yes Rafe Fiennes. Rafe, Rafe Fiennes. Um not Rafe Levine. No. Hello, Rafe. Um it is the story of an archaeological discovery made in England at the the dawning of the Second World War. Um It's beautifully shot. Mm. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um Spoiler alert now, so if you haven't seen it and, and you want to maybe uh, go and watch it before listening on, but uh, Ray Fiennes plays a working class archaeologist. Mm. Who is, an
1: excavator.
0: Yeah, he's completely untrained and uneducated. He's gotten all his experience from being on site since a young lad. So he calls himself an excavator in the face of a very bullyish, bullyingish onslaught of the british and ipswich museums who arrive at this dig but he's he's working class he's a gruff humble man he's characterized as being difficult from the the people whose site he was working on before he came to this site but it's the story of a, a wealthy um lady played by carrie mulligan who has a son young son who her husband has died she is not well she had a childhood sickness and now has uh, issues with her heart um, but she has these mounds, which look like burial mounds, on her land, and mm. she's she also has a um, an interest in archaeology uh, from when she was young, and she hires this man. Um, to come and, and take a stab at yeah, excavating. Yeah,
1: they've, they've, they've bought, she and her late husband have yeah, bought the land bought because the land. they've seen these features yeah. there and they go, we're, we're interested, yeah.
0: So um, he comes along, she says, I like this mound. It's a, a big, the biggest mound. It's an oval-shaped mound on the land. He says, listen, I've been walking along the top here. There's uh, some soil here that's not particularly compacted by the rest, which tells me that people have been here before, have dug down and have looted this looted, mound. So yeah. let's actually go somewhere else. And she's like, well, okay then he has this epiphany and says listen i've actually been thinking about it and the reason why this particular mound is oval is that land has been used for for agricultural purposes over the years and people have been steadily um sort of taking away from what used to be a circular mound Mm. and if that's the case i think the people that came here and excavated and stole stuff actually looked in the wrong place because they didn't realize that so i'm gonna actually (laughs) dig here and let's see what we can find. Anyway, the upshot of it is that he, as an amateur, in inverted yeah, Commerce, yeah. Discovers, yeah. Yeah, discovers this 88-foot boat, wooden boat, that's been buried there as a burial thing for a very important person. He um, thinks that it's Anglo-Saxon, whereas most people would immediately think it's Viking in nature. Anglo-Saxon is even older. He turns out to be right. And it's an incredibly important discovery. The British Museum and the Ipswich Museum arrive a few days later and come in with this bluff, running roughshod over Mm. anything. Just say, listen, you there, foah, Foie, get out. You're not to go into the site again until I say so. Still very, very class-driven at the time. Yes, yes. and, and come in with this. We're educated, we're the professionals, you're done. Um and they they he says to them straight away, Listen, I don't work for you, I, I work for Mrs. Pretty. She's she and when she tells me to stop, I will. But anyway, the upshot is that the, the Department of Labor and so on so come in and tell her, Listen, we need to give this to the professionals. Um, she begs him to stay on. Uh, he encourages her encourages her throughout the thing not to give in to the bullying of these yes. people. Um, and it's a beautiful story. They then discover a treasure in this burial thing which is the biggest treasure that's kind of ever been discovered and what a what and then the, the various she says listen we're gonna keep this treasure on our premises because the war war is just broken out the British Museum is being cleared of all its treasures so this is probably safer than anywhere else um and then at the end towards the end of the the movie she tells this guy Basil Brown who's who's been working for the her the Rafe character yeah, yeah the Rafe char- character listen um I am going to um, give this, donate this to the British Museum. I haven't told them yet. Uh, He says that's a very generous uh, gift because I think it's millions upon millions. Yes, or priceless because of its antiquity. And it's on her land. So she could say to the British Museum, all right, pay me. And they would have to pay literally everything that they own to get this. She says, "I'm, I'm giving it to him. And then she says to him, there's a big garden party towards the end where she invites the community out and everyone's there all the big wigs in celebration of this amazing discovery and she makes kind of a speech and 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 says and this discovery is in due in large part to the work of basil brown and he is very much out of his depths in the social setting and he's very um appreciative and his wife appreciative that she's given him some credit for this Uh, and she says to him i've asked them to make sure that people know that you were involved. (coughs) Um, Then as the credits roll, we learn that the the exhibition was taken over by the British Museum. It was exhibited, but he was never given any credit for it. His Mm -hmm. name doesn't appear anywhere. And it's only in very recent years that he has now been credited at the exhibition together with her name for the work they did. So it's really the story of this incredible discovery. They say it's the most important archaeological discovery in Britain and possibly in the world. And the story is of this guy who's this working class guy who who really was written out of the history of this, even though he played an incredibly important role. He was the discoverer. And not only did he discover it, but he did incredibly sound archaeological work there. So when the British Museum We we have those treasures now because of his work. Largely because of him. When they arrived, the British Museum took over the dig. They acknowledged, they said to him, gosh, you've Mm. actually done a... Because usually what I imagine. Is that the british museum the professionals would come to many many amateur archaeological Mm -hmm. digs and would find a mess yeah absolute mess and so it's strange in this time of giving the voice to the voiceless redressing the injustices of people who weren't credited in the past that i found myself thinking gosh i feel like this movie may have been a bit (laughs) heavy-handed in in giving this guy the glory that he deserved but it's really skewed from that side. It's telling the story of this guy who was just this honest working-class guy who let me, finish, yeah, yeah, yeah. who just you know did his work so well and wasn't credited for all the amazing stuff that he actually had did, and he should have been. And now this movie is telling a story that should have been told properly. And I found myself thinking that, and I think erroneously, simply because I live in this time where that is such a big deal the wokeness you mean yes yes yeah that this is now another woke movie yeah and actually i thought to myself you know what no this is just a movie that is telling that side of the story yeah. and i'm sure the the bullying and the and the of yeah, the academic f- is it's from it's from their, it's from perspective. their experience yeah. and the things that had to do with and of course they were uh, puffed up and uh, self-important in their own eyes and 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 didn't give this guy any credit and that had to do with one the time but also the academia and the how it was such an important thing for them mm. to to own that in terms in of wanting credit yeah, and credit so on, yeah. and so on and i can understand that and i don't <laughs> condone it but i do understand so i sort of thought well now this is very sort of heavy-handed in terms of but so what? I mean all the stories that have been told about that up to now have been heavy-handed on the other side. Exactly, of the
1: story. and also all, all of the all of the the, the uh, corporate side of that if you want, you know, yep. in this case the British Museum they haven't you know again it's where people make like this joe biden book where people make the occasional mistake in with good you know with good intentions and this and that and the next thing that's one issue you can't you can't throw away the, the impact of the mistakes but you can say well you know this was the mitigating circumstance um but uh you know something like that i mean they've still got the elgin marbles which were stolen yeah. they've still got da, 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 da. Uh, again half you know and I, I love the british museum i'm fascinated by it yeah, you know yeah well. Etc. 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 but i'm aware that it's it's colonial ransacking yes. most of it um and again so you know you can't go the colonial ransacker is the uh, is unapologetically the good guy no um and particularly as you say you know where where this uh this, yes yeah, this uncredited and educated excellence yeah, yeah exactly went, you know went unrewarded um, it's it's great to redress the rights, and it's too late, and this and that. And the next again, uh, Alan Turing, you know that that whole side of things also was I also to what a large was it, uh, to a large degree came up through and Kate uh, Winslet in ammonite, which
0: is the same hmm. Natural History Museum where she discovered all these fossils. Yes, as this yeah. Anyway, same it, very uh, again, similar. you
1: know, it's also particularly as I say, Alan Turing, one example, yep. you know, committed suicide hmm. um, because of the the harshness of the way he was treated for other reasons and stuff yep. as well. But point being. You know, if he had been celebrated as he should have been at the time, things would have turned out differently. We don't know how differently or in what way, but differently. So, yeah, I think it is important, as you're saying, it, it can be heavy-handed, but it is necessary often.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a, a story where he plays the underdog and is then celebrated at the
1: end, mm. you know, he, he, which is a fantastic a Great, great story. performance as well, because Rafe is so such you, a yeah. good actor, but he can be quite dry, yeah. depending on the parts. This is a beautiful Carrie Mulligan so as well. Good. Such a great... Uh, it's it's Mix
0: beautiful, it. um, there's sort of peripheral things. Uh, uh, Johnny Flynn plays this uh, the brother who then goes to war as a pilot. Uh, it's a very tragic story because Carrie Mulligan's character is not long for this world and she says to him, Mm-mm. please look after yourself because I'm going to need you to come back from the war to look after my child because I'm not going to Everyone's going to die. Everyone's dying. Um, <laughs> And it's um, yeah, really, really beautiful. Um, some some lovely long sort of shots
1: that's, with silence. It's great. It's just it's music. just an old fashioned good movie. Yeah, which I, you don't I really see a lot. It. And when you do see it, you realize, hang on, I haven't seen this for a while. This is a goodie. Um, so yeah, quickly from my side, uh, Kevin Hart. Uh, new newish special yes um, so and I'm, I'm not a sweary sort so i'll is just say zero zero f's given is, is um, this in his house it is yeah, and, yeah, and that and that's what was interesting to me I, mean, I am a kevin hart fan and clearly you know you're going to get uh, potty mouthed in this and whatever whatever but bop. I, bop, bop. but i think he is a, he's a great yeah uh, <laughs> he's a he's a great comedian he's a very funny very smart guy and a, and a great performer the interesting one here because of because of the pandemic he's he's done this so Smaller audience in his living room. Do you think downstairs. they built that stage specially no. for the special? Uh, no, I think they might have decorated it a bit. But okay. I think I think it's I think it's his. Yeah, I think it's his room. His theater um, room does is, what he does, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, it's downstairs in his mansion. Yeah, yeah he's it's small he's, group he's, of he's with, he's invited, with the family. Yeah. Tells the kids to do their homework. Goes downstairs and there's an audience and he's on stage. Um, Social distancing and yes, all the rest of it. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's you know where it didn't link up for me again the title zero you know obviously i don't care what you think this and that and the next thing which is part of the uh, comedian's mandate they will tell you all the time mm. is to not care what you think and to to try and uh, reveal at best and and you know shove down your throat at worst uh, an alternative uh, perspective yeah but it it's not terribly hard hitting in that way no it's 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 fairly funny um, and it's it's competent on all levels but it doesn't it doesn't really grab you by the throat and make you think in the way that that some shows that he's done do and some other comedians do Chris Rock has a habit of doing that um, and so on and so on Uh, so yeah it doesn't it doesn't really make you think wow I hadn't considered that before um, or I understand why you're angry and help thank you for helping me through this Hmm. you know uh, like uh, Stephen Colbert will do that sublimely every day and so on and so on so you know again the 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 marketing here will say, you know, it's about him having a zero filter and making zero apologies and blah, But it's it's not. Uh-uh. It's a it's a forty-something-year-old guy saying stuff about middle age, and it's it's funny and it's cool, but it's not. It's not mind blowing. Uh-uh. Um, but still, Kevin Hart, good, uh, yeah, good comedian, some nice laughs. Uh, it is potty mouthed. Don't watch it with kids. Um, but and some lovely, yeah, some lovely little. Uh, Running jokes throughout it, um, worth it but not amazing. Also worth it but not amazing. But I, I, I was interested in in the concept. The Deuce. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, James Franco. Yeah, this
0: is David Simon who did Tremé and The Wire. Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Zachary.
1: Exactly. Um, very, very, very good. Very slow burn. You have to yeah. commit to it. So and and James Franco, I find an interesting guy because he's he's very much a Hollywood guy in that he, and also in that he'll make some beautiful decisions and do some amazing art and then do something completely nuts Pineapple and, and yep. that Yeah, that Also, Seth I mean, Rogan he, he crew. convinced somebody to pay $10,000 for a, an area of air because he said it was an invisible sculpture and yeah, things like He's also he writes books as well he's, he's, he's quite an interesting he's a, cat he's a really interesting guy um, and he plays two characters, in this essentially what yeah, it is 20s. about. It's about uh, the, ge- the the beginnings of the the sex trade industry in in New York in Times Square, yeah. beginning of the seventies. Maggie how, Gyllenhaal is in. This. Yes, and how how the porn industry started, um, you know, and move and moved from this illegal backroom thing to yeah. sort of the massive, unfortunate thing that it is today. Yeah. Um, and so yes, it is this sort of dark, and he's he's a barkeep and so on, and uh, you know, everybody. Yeah, you know, there there are organised criminals, small-time organised criminals involved, which means that you know somebody's in danger here, and this one will go there, and you know if you don't pay me, I'll break your legs. That you know all that kind of good New York stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's lovely and gritty. Uh, Maggie's very good in it, Maggie Gillenol. Um Yeah, so well shot, like the yeah, uh, and it it's is exactly it's New very York dark, and that that exactly that old that thing of of New York, which we we knew about here. Um, but probably most of us never got to, or most of us who were born while it was happening mm-hmm. uh, around that time, never got to experience happily. Because it was a dangerous it's, place. It, it's lovely for a background in movies. It would have been sodding awful to to yeah. be involved and in. you would have got stabbed and thrown through a window or whatever. So, um, good times. But, um, so an interesting piece and, and well acted, well made, but, you know, to, to the, the slow burning part of it, it doesn't grab you. No. Um i think it's rewarding after watching an
0: entire season of it but you really have well, to this watch is the, i did how watch many seasons I did, are no, there? i'm
1: just i watched the the, the first one and I, i've stopped there because yep. i just didn't think i didn't think it was rewarding enough and i okay. think a whole season as a uh, a platform setter is a, is a luxury you don't mm. have anymore i know it has continued so it, it must have done yeah, well in there's enough. three or four seasons um, but uh, i'm not yeah i just i kind of uh, lost momentum with it okay. um Interesting, but it's also and again, it's not. I didn't, you know, it's not. It's not trying to be titillating, titillating, and all of that kind of stuff. It's not just. It's not trying for kind of light thrills on the ladies in in revealing clothing or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um. It is trying to, yeah, trying to reflect a time and a culture, and uh, people making, yeah, you know, flawed people trying to make the most of a flawed situation. Yeah. Um. So yeah, interesting, well made. Not great. Didn't didn't yeah. really grab me. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah, that's me. ach lecker. That
0: brings us to the end of another episode of the Chorus Podcast. Episode. You can connect with us. Send us an email Please for crying do. out loud. Yeah. The get Chorus Podcast. Comment. The
1: Chorus Podcast at gmail.com uh, or at the Chorus Nine, the, the number on nine the Twitter on the Twitter. Um, but yeah, to get in touch, let us know if there's anything you'd like to chat about. Um, or yeah, if who you'd like to hear us chat to on the podcast, we can see if we can connect with some people. Oh, and then we have a song coming out, right? So uh, on the twelfth of February. Yes,
0: our project, our entity is known as the Van Dyke Parks Board. Yes, which That's we our find hilarious. Band uh, <laughs> the Van Dyke Parks Board. If you get it, let us know how you get it. If you get it. Um, and we have written and recorded our first track, which, as Bruce says, will be released on the 12th of February, which is uh, next Friday. week, It's Friday? a Friday, yes. And uh, we'll talk more about that, I think, in next week's podcast.
1: Possibly. There and we go. But uh, but uh, yes, if you are listening, please do. It's available to pre-save on Spotify and iTunes, Tidal, Deezer, all of that kind of thing. Um, so please do that, because again, with the algorithms, it's great if, if uh, people... You, platforms can see there's a bit of buzz there they yes. can they can start um sending Search some traffic for there. us uh, the van dyke, the van, dyke board. Board. Oh, van dyke the van dyke singular parks board yes plural um between the lines is the name between of the, the track. lines and uh yeah let also if you if you have a listen if you try the excerpt all of that kind of stuff let us know what you think um very nice love your feedback but yes looking forward to that getting out and about and into the world good catch you next time okay, bye. Later. Bye.